0: First, I'll go through the background of Chris Farley, and then I'll offer my analysis. Chris Farley was born in Madison, Wisconsin on February 15, 1964, exactly eight years before I was born. He would grow up in Maple Bluff, Wisconsin. His mother was a homemaker and his father owned an oil company. He had three brothers and a sister. Farley's cousin, Jim Farley, is the CEO of Ford Motor Company. Farley grew up Roman Catholic. He graduated from Marquette University in 1986. He had studied both theater and communications. Over the course of his childhood, he had developed an interest in comedy, mostly from watching television. He started working at various places performing improv and eventually joined Chicago's Second City Theater, taking classes there and eventually being featured on the main stage. In 1990, Saturday Night Live recruited him from Second City, and he joined the cast. He played several recurring characters on the show, including a Chippendale dancer, a lunch lady, Todd O'Connor, who is a member of a group of Chicago residents who are fans of the Bears, and an intense motivational speaker named Matt Foley. Farley is probably best known for that character, who lives in a van down by the river. Farley gained a reputation for playing pranks in the offices of SNL when he was not on camera. He had a particular affinity for flatulence noises and shocking people with his naked body. In addition to SNL, Farley was featured in a number of movies like Wayne's World, Coneheads, and Airheads. Farley was suspended from SNL several times during his tenure for drug and alcohol use. After the 1994-1995 season, Farley was released from his contract He starred in the 1995 film, Tommy Boy, and the 1996 film, Black Sheep. Both were successful financially. His substance use increased while working on Black Sheep. He blamed the poor quality of the screenplay. If that was the standard that everyone applied to screenplays, 90% of Hollywood would be in a permanent state of intoxication. Farley would go to rehab prior to his next movie, the 1997 film, Beverly Hills Ninja. This movie was a massive financial success. On October 25, 1997, Farley was the guest host of SNL. As usual, the program featured a cold open. In this segment, it was suggested that Farley's party days were over, like he was going to get better now. During this episode, Farley appeared to be manifesting a number of symptoms. He had flushed skin. He was sweating. His voice was hoarse. He looked like he was exhausted and he strained his vocal cords during the performance. Many people noticed the symptoms. The producers almost canceled his appearance. There have been only two SNL episodes that have been pulled from general circulation, the one where Steven Seagal hosted and this episode with Chris Farley. For Seagal, this occurred because he created a humor black hole from which no humor could ever escape. He has been called the worst host ever I'm not sure he really was. There are a lot of people competing for that position. For Farley, it was because he was clearly very ill. So the same result, but two very different reasons. This takes us to December 17, 1997 in Chicago. Farley is coming to the end of a four-day bender involving cocaine, heroin, and cannabis. At his request, a friend of his hires a prostitute for him named Heidi Hauser they agreed to a fee of $2,000. Farley told her he had not slept in four days. She joins him at a party at 11 a.m. Everybody there was using drugs. Later, they went back to his apartment to smoke crack and snort heroin. They attempted to have sex, but Farley was not able. By 11 p.m., Heidi is getting upset because she has not been paid. Farley tells her that the friend of his was supposed to take care of the bill. They once again tried to have sex but again, Farley was unable. At 3 a.m., now on December 18, 1997, Heidi was getting ready to leave the apartment. She could hear that Farley was having difficulty breathing. He said to her, please don't leave me. These would be his last known words. He collapsed on the floor 10 feet from the door. Instead of calling for help or rendering any type of assistance, she took a picture of him. Farley's brother, John, entered Chris Farley's apartment at about 2 p.m., that same day. He found Farley dead 10 feet from the door. Chris Farley was 33 years old. The cause of death was found to be drug overdose, specifically cocaine and morphine. Although he probably took cocaine and heroin, heroin is metabolized into morphine in the bloodstream. Using uppers and downers simultaneously is referred to as speedballing, and it is exceedingly dangerous. Farley also had significant narrowing in his arteries due to his obesity. Now moving to my analysis. It's not clear if Chris Farley was ever officially diagnosed with any mental disorder, but many have speculated that he may have qualified as having substance use disorder. Whether or not he technically qualified for the disorder, he did appear to have a substance use problem. Others have speculated that perhaps he had some other type of mental disorder that he was treating with the substances. So, self-medicating. Farley had the antidepressant Prozac in his system when he died, which has led people to think that maybe he had depression. But just the fact that somebody is taking Prozac doesn't mean they have depression. It could have been he had another disorder or simply symptoms that did not rise to the level of pathology but were still bothering him. One of his counselors said that Farley had the most addictive personality they'd ever seen. Farley received substance use treatment 17 different times in the final two years of his life he was also treated for obesity and overeating he appeared to be addicted to drugs food and sex he hired prostitutes frequently farley acknowledged many times that he needed to stop he may have still had a lack of insight even though he made that acknowledgement it's not unusual for people addicted to say they recognize their addiction when really they do not understand the consequences of continued use Let's take a look at Farley's potential personality profile. When I conceptualize personality, I often use the five-factor model. I remember the five factors through the acronym OCEAN, openness to experience, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and eroticism. Farley was high in openness to experience. He was intellectually curious, non-traditional, extremely creative, and he felt emotions intensely. Now, conscientiousness is interesting with Farley. At first glance, it might appear as though His level was very low because he was so impulsive. But impulsivity can be thought of in two ways, a lack of self-discipline, which he had, but also the inability to resist temptation, which of course he also had, but that is measured on neuroticism. Farley was probably low in conscientiousness, but not as low as one might think. For instance, he was achievement striving, he just wasn't disciplined, organized, or cautious. Chris Farley was highly extroverted. He was outgoing, friendly, assertive, talkative, and sensation seeking. It's not clear if he had a lot of positive emotions because the drug use could have masked low positive emotions. Farley was generally agreeable. He was modest, straightforward, trusting, valued cooperation, and altruistic. He contributed to charities and deliberately failed to take credit for it. So he wasn't trying to brag about his charitable contributions. He didn't do that for attention. This takes us to the neuroticism. While I talked about the impulsivity, the inability to resist temptation, Farley referred to himself as a hedonist. It would seem that Farley would have scored high on this facet. He also appeared to be somewhat depressed, anxious, and insecure. Overall, his neuroticism score would be high. Chris Farley's attitude towards success was interesting On one hand, he desperately wanted to succeed. He was hard on himself when he didn't entertain. He tried to stay productive even as his condition deteriorated. For example, he had recorded about 90% of the dialogue for the character Shrek, but the studio did not want to try to complete the movie without him, so they gave the role to Mike Myers. Although he was productive, he also kept engaging in activities he knew would end his career and ultimately end his life. It was almost a fatalistic component to Chris Farley. One of his idols was John Belushi, an actor who died at age 33 from an overdose of cocaine and heroin. At one point, Farley said it would be really cool to die like John Belushi. Chris Farley had more warnings that his behavior would bring about a negative outcome than most people who are addicted and far more access to treatment. The question with addiction always becomes... How much control does a person who is addicted really have? Clearly, some people can stop once they make a decision to stop. I've seen this many times in my career. But other people seem to struggle even when they have every reason in the world to discontinue use. Farley had stopped several times, at one point, for three years. He was clean when the studios forced him to be in order to work on movies. But once he was done working on his current film, he was back to using. Many people, including his co-workers at SNL, tried to help him. They warned him using plain language, like saying that he was going to die. Some have said that later in his addiction, Farley became more intense and more resistant to criticism. So as time went on, he became more difficult to help. He may have been open to receiving help at one time, but toward the end, he kind of closed off. This can happen sometimes with addiction. As it progresses, the person becomes more resistant to getting help. But for other people, as it progresses, they become more open to the idea of getting help. So it really does depend on the individual. The attitudes that various people have had toward Chris Farley are quite divided. We see that he was quite talented. When he was attending classes at Second City, he was promoted to the main stage faster than many other people. This caused resentment. But still, the other people did have to admit he was exceptionally talented. Not everybody is a fan of Chris Farley. I know some people look at Farley and think that he wasn't funny at all. I know other people look at him and think that he was funny when they were younger, like they found him funny then. But now if they're older, they're wondering why they ever thought he was funny in the first place. I like to think that I have an appreciation of a wide range of humor styles. I liked Chris Farley. He brought a level of energy and intensity that really wasn't seen too often. He was not satirical or witty. It was a different kind of humor. It was a physical comedy. One could say that he elevated physical humor to a new level. Whenever somebody makes a contribution in any area of humor, I think that's a good thing. Yes, I think that watching a lot of his work could become a little tiresome, but I think that's the case with every type of humor. I think variety is a good thing when appreciating humor and probably really a necessary element in many cases in order to get the most enjoyment from different products. Farley's fate highlighted the dangers of fame and specifically the circumstances of his success in television and in movies. He was always worried that if he lost weight, he would no longer be funny and no one would hire him. Drug use probably minimized how much he would worry. The fact that he kept getting hired and being paid very well meant he could continue his out of control drug use. One could look at it as though he was destroyed by his reaction to fame. Is coping mechanism to deal with fame I think in a way Farley's situation underscores the paradox of fame he was recognizable people loved him at the same time he was isolated alone with his desires alone with his ability to temporarily fulfill those desires I think the best way to honor somebody like Chris Farley is to acknowledge his struggle and try to prevent others from meeting the same fate Farley's life is an admonitory tale This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. 24 hours ago, I found out the person that I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months. As a con man, that is my sister Emma.